Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. You're listening to Radio Rounds, a talk show created and hosted by medical students and physicians in training, where today's stories are told by tomorrow's doctors. I'm your host, John Corker. Coming up on today's show, I'll sit down with medical student and cystic fibrosis patient Bill Elder as he talks about living through a debilitating disease with hope for a therapy that would ensure a better future. And the moment he realized that hope would become reality. I realized something unique. I had never been able to easily breathe in and out of my nose before. That was something I had never been able to do. So this was a profound experience that I was able to easily breathe in and out of my nose. And I sat there for about, you know, 15, 20 minutes just enjoying that slow breathing in and out of my nose and realizing that now I can actually smell things. I could smell the candle that my parents had lit down downstairs. You know, I, I could smell the pine tree that we had um, inside the house, you know, all sorts of things. And then I ran down the hallway, woke up my parents because I was there at the time at their house, and I, I just said, Kaleidico's working, Kaleidico's working. And uh, they burst into tears, and ever since then, um, it's just been amazing how it's managed to improve my life in a number of other ways. More from this amazing story of a healthy 26-year-old medical student whose own doctors told him he'd only live to see 27. Right now on Radio Rounds. Welcome to Radio Rounds, everyone. I'm John Corker. We're excited that you joined us today for another great story. This week, I sit down with Bill Elder, a second-year medical student at Wright State University. Bill has cystic fibrosis, a chronic congenital disease that is often diagnosed at birth and impacts the thickness of our body's secretions. It begins with terrible stomach aches and difficulty smelling and progresses to cause difficulty breathing and terrible, sometimes deadly lung infections. Until just a few years ago, there was no cure in sight, and patients often endured painstaking and time-consuming daily treatments in order to clear their thick secretions and hopefully see the age of 30. But a new drug called Kaleidico has brought hope to Bill and 30,000 others just like him across the country. And Bill has gone all the way to Congress to ensure that new drugs like Kaleidico can make it to market in time to save the lives of very sick patients who don't have the luxury of time. I started off the interview by asking Bill to start his story from the beginning. Bill, thanks so much for joining us on Radio Rounds today. It's good to be here. Thank you. I know you were only eight years old, but can you tell us what you remember about the moment you were diagnosed with cystic fibrosis? What was it like growing up surrounded by healthcare workers and, and perceived limitations of all kinds? So, yeah, I actually uh, do remember quite a bit about it because I was actually eight years old. And uh, as um, many people may know um, cystic fibrosis is usually diagnosed at birth, so it's kind of rare to be diagnosed late. But that's because I was actually born in Nebraska, which uh, the state didn't, didn't do newborn screening at the time, so I kind of slipped through the cracks and went quite a while without being diagnosed. But the reason I was actually diagnosed is because I was having um, extremely painful uh, abdominal pain, so bad so that I'd actually have to lie down on the couch for quite a while, um, lie down on some pillows, and was incapacitated for a fair amount of time. And we went to uh, numerous doctors and so many specialists. I had to try all sorts of different diets to figure it out. And um, eventually, we figured out it was cystic fibrosis. And I remember that day, um, we were with uh, Dr. Herso, actually, who was my CF doctor. Um, and 
he was telling me a bit about cystic fibrosis, and he was telling my family too. And he was saying, of all of the serious genetic diseases they have, this one's probably one of the best. And that, uh, that didn't make any sense to us at the time. We were mm-hmm. thinking, how could this possibly be a good thing? But he said, there's so much hope around CF right now. There's so much research going into it. There's a really good community and a really good foundation that's looking for a cure right now that you will have a much better lifespan than the current life expectancy. And now the life expectancy at the time was uh, probably mid-20s. I want to say around 25 or 26. And I'm 26 right now. So if I had planned out my life based on the life expectancy when I was diagnosed, I probably wouldn't have tried to be a doctor because I'm only two years into it right now and that wouldn't have played out so well. But the one thing that changed all that was the overwhelming sense of hope that the doctors conveyed, that the nurses conveyed, that everyone at the CF Foundation conveyed. And that gave me the like, courage to try and follow my dreams. And I think that's really worked out quite well. And I've stayed pretty healthy as a result. And honestly, so many new treatments have come out that I think my life is, is better off because I actually tried to follow my dreams with CF instead of trying to play it safe. Well, and, and Bill, you mentioned that, you know, although you you were given a life expectancy, uh, really to, to right where you stand right now uh, when you were diagnosed, that your physicians gave you and your nurses and, and everyone who took care of you gave you a significant sense of, of hope. But I would imagine that hope was, was still largely theoretical. Was, was there a point or an occurrence or a discovery that you remember really solidifying that hope and, and, and uh, making you believe that you may someday be able to come, become a doctor? Uh, so, yeah, the, the hope was largely theoretical. There were um, a number of advances, and I stayed up on all the latest uh, drug trials and research over the years. Um, I remember when Pulmozyme came out, that was a huge deal, and that's um, an enzyme that actually breaks apart DNA to help us clear mucus easier. And I remember hypertonic saline, which is a very salty solution that helps us move mucus out. So there, there were all these little events along the way that kept gradually improving the quality of life of the patients or their life expectancy. And it was this gradual thing where, you know, every couple of years I'd see something new come into my regimen, and I'd, I could see that there was gradual change. But there was one quantum leap forward, and this, uh, this happened with a drug called Kaleidico very recently, um, a couple of years ago in February, actually, is when I took my first dose. And this drug has revolutionized cystic fibrosis, and the drugs that are following it are actually going to revolutionize it for all the other mutations that Kaleidico doesn't work on. And um, I don't know if you want to get into this a bit now, but we can talk a bit, a bit about Kaleidico as well. Sure. Why don't you tell us a little bit about specifically what Kaleidico does and, and why it may offer you uh, so many more years of, of quality of life? Sure thing. So um, we don't know the exact mechanism of how Kaleidico works because it was found through high-throughput screening. And the idea there is you take tons and tons of novel compounds and you throw them all against the wall and see which ones have effect on cystic fibrosis um, chloride channels. And so they found it this way, so we don't know precisely how it works. But we do know it works in um, a very specific mutation, which is only about 3% of the CF population has it. It's called G551D. And now that's called a gating mutation. So the CFTR is a chloride channel that's in the mucosa of the lungs and all the rest of the body, in fact. And uh, the issue with the G551D mutation is it actually doesn't open. So you've got a a gate stuck in, in your cell, and it won't open. And somehow Kaleidico comes in, and it pries open that gate. And so it normalizes the chloride function. And that's the inherent problem with cystic fibrosis, is you can't move ions back and forth. And so once you normalize that, then you start to get thinner mucus. You're able to move the mucus out, and you're able to get the bacteria out. And uh, you're able to avoid infection and improve lung function. And so when I started this drug, I mean, it was 
night and day, and it's improved my lung function dramatically since then. And they're already working on, in fact, it's in phase two right now, um, the next step of this, which is combining Kalydeco with another drug that targets the 80 to 90% of people that have the Delta F508 mutation. So there's immense hope for cystic fibrosis right now. And I think within, you know, six to 10 years or so, we're going to see some amazing treatments for the vast majority of CF patients. And let's take a step back a second and, and maybe try and put it in layman's term for a second. Could you describe to us the extent to which your disease had progressed at the point that Kaleidico came out before you started taking it uh, and how the drugs really, uh, in terms of, of your everyday life, has made a difference? Sure thing. Um, well, my disease had, uh, had progressed quite a bit. I have significant scarring in my lungs from uh, numerous infections uh, with Pseudomonas, and then I've had to be hospitalized numerous times and get IV antibiotics to fight those off. Um, so my uh, FEV1, which is just a measure of lung function, it's how fast you can blow out air in a second, um, that had dropped down a little bit. Um, it had dropped down about 10% or so from when I was a lot younger, which is actually not a very large drop compared to most CF patients. I've been uh, both very lucky and very diligent, and that's what's kept my lungs very healthy. I've done um, tons of exercise. I've been very adherent with all my treatments, and I've stayed on top of all the latest things I can do. So I've been very lucky. Uh, now, there's a lot of patients that try just as hard as me and put in extreme effort and don't have this outcome, so that's, that's very tough. But at the time that Kaleidico came out, my lung function was starting to drop off a little bit, and I was about to um, start up medical school very soon. So it was kind of a pivotal moment in my life where I needed something to help me stay healthy through the very rigorous days of medical school. And um, I remember the first time I took Kaleidico, uh, it was actually – it was – my mom had been waiting for the package by the door, so she was so excited to see the UPS men arrive, and she practically burst into tears when she saw the little tiny little box that had the little blue pills in it. And um, I came home, and I had been following this study for quite a while, so I knew that I had to take you know a very fatty meal with it to make sure it was absorbed properly. So we made almost like a feast of milk and bacon, which is extremely unhealthy, but is very good for CF patients. Sounds good and, to me. Uh, yeah, oh, it's delicious. Yeah, it's absolutely delicious, but, you know, probably not the best for your uh, cholesterol or fat. <laughs> anyway, but um, I, I took this pill, and uh, I didn't notice anything right away, of course, because it takes some time, but um, I went to bed, and then something very unique happened. I woke up in the middle of the night. It was, uh, you know, I want to say around, I don't know, 3 a.m. or something at night, and I, I sat awake in my bed, and I noticed something was different, but I couldn't quite place my finger on what it was at first. So I sat there um, just breathing in and out through my nose, not quite sure what it was. I was very skeptical, of course, of Kaleidico because I'm a scientist and I want to, you know, see the results in the data before I believe it just from a feeling. But I realized something unique. I had never been able to easily breathe in and out of my nose before. That was something I had never been able to do. So this was a profound experience that I was able to easily breathe in and out of my nose. And I sat there for about, you know, 15, 20 minutes just enjoying that slow breathing in and out of my nose and realizing that now I can actually smell things. I could smell the candle that my parents had lit down, downstairs. You know, I, I could smell the pine tree that we had um, inside the house, you know, all sorts of things. And then I ran down the hallway, woke up my parents, because I was there at the time at their house, and I, I just said, Kaleidico's working, Kaleidico's working. And uh, they burst into tears, and ever since then, um, it's just been amazing how it's managed to improve my life in a number of other ways. Well, the only word I can think of is miraculous turnaround in such a short period of time. And uh, I think there are around 30,000 patients in this country who suffer from cystic fibrosis. Uh, is is Kaleidico kind of a, a wonder drug for all of them? Can everybody take this or or does will it only help a, a, a few number of patients? 
So unfortunately right now, um, Kaleidico only works on about 3% of CF patients, and those are the patients that have this very specific mutation that it actually affects. However, the latest research is actually working on a combination of Kaleidico and a new drug, which is going to work for about 80 to 90% of patients, which have um, a much more common mutation. So while Kaleidico is certainly miraculous for patients like me, there are a lot of new drugs in the pipe that are going to help all these other patients. And we're working very hard, the CF Foundation, sorry, is working very hard to fund these new drugs and make sure that they get out in a very timely manner. Well, that's certainly encouraging news for all of the other tens of thousands of patients across the country who suffer from cystic fibrosis. But going back to your case specifically, uh, you mentioned that uh, really Kaleidico came out at the perfect time for you, just starting medical school and, and had it uh, you know, taken another year to come to market. Y- your lung function may have been, uh, as you said, quite a bit worse off, maybe irreparably worse off than it is now. I, I think many of our listeners may not realize how extensive and involved uh, the process of phar- pharmaceutical approval can be uh, for the f- uh, Food and Drug Administration in Washington. But Kaleidico's approval process was really expedited um, and and ushered in a new, quote, breakthrough therapy program or designation. Tell us a little bit about that, that uh, accelerated approval process and, and what precedent it may set for future uh, drugs that can really help people right now. Sure thing. So the, uh, the normal drug appro- approval process is uh, very long and uh, very, very, very labor-intensive. It takes about six to eight years or so, and that's if everything's running smoothly, to get a drug from um, like the preclinical trials all the way to phase three when you can actually submit the um, NDA, the new drug application, as it's called. And so Kaleidico was actually given a different designation called the fast-track designation. And now the fast-track designation is designed to help drugs get through the process faster who are serving an unmet medical need. And while this, this did fit Kaleidico, but it didn't exactly fit Kaleidico, um, it led to the creation of, or the idea of a new designation that would better fit drugs that are absolutely revolutionary, drugs that dramatically improve upon the current therapy and are almost like a quantum leap forward. So this gave rise to the idea of the creation of something called the breakthrough designation for drug approval. And uh, breakthrough drugs are ones that aren't necessarily fitting an unmet medical need, which the fast track covers, but they're ones that are dramatic improvements over the current treatment. And you, also, you have to show clinical efficacy for that, very like early clinical efficacy that it's a dramatic improvement. But once you do, the FDA really gets behind you. And you get all of the um, shortened time frames that come with the fast track, but you also get... Um, and this being the pharmaceutical companies also get a close partnership with the FDA. They'll actually do rolling reviews where you can submit your studies at at, at once and they'll keep keep reviewing them to see if it's uh, ready yet. And they'll also work to streamline the process and give advice at any point. So it it really helps get the drugs to patients quicker. And I think that's critically important, especially when you have, you know, a, a disease with a life expectancy that is now, you know, in the mid to high 30s right now. So it's still very crucial to get these drugs out quickly. Sure, and when the damage caused by the disease can sometimes be irreversible. Uh, it's really a, a fascinating and, and very encouraging new development uh, for pharmaceutical approval through the FDA, and, and uh, certainly kudos to you for, for your involvement in, in bringing that process uh, to fruition. Uh, you are also one of the, quote, faces of CF, the faces of cystic fibrosis as featured by New York Times, and you got to testify in front of Congress on behalf of, of all of your fellow cystic fibrosis patients across the country. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I'd have to say uh, it's, it's very humbling to be able to represent the 30,000 plus CF patients uh, around the U.S. and even more around the world. 
And uh, to be able to be in the presence of such uh, amazing people um, like the head of the FDA and the head of Vertex Pharmaceuticals on the congressional briefing. Now, uh, the briefing itself was a, a briefing on the breakthrough designation and how effective it was and what we can look forward to the future. And I was there as a patient voice to help uh, give some more perspective on how urgent it is and how important it is that we keep the breakthrough designation going and how getting drugs quicker to the patients while still ensuring their safety is of the utmost importance. So it was, it was a very moving and powerful experience to be able to share my stories with them. And I made the case that it's critically important that we get these drugs to patients quicker because our lungs are constantly deteriorating. We don't have time to wait while they do the umpteenth test to make sure that it's exactly as they want it. And what's come of that testimony so far? Anything? Uh, yeah, so there's actually the, the breakthrough designation has gone through, and um, a number of drugs have actually applied for it, and uh, I believe received the designation now. There are um, a number of new cancer treatments which have actually received it, and uh, the latest combination therapy for cystic fibrosis, which is the Kaleidico plus the drug that's going to work on about 80 to 90 percent of people, we believe. So there's a lot of good that's going to come out of that. It's going to um, really help those drugs move through the the system quicker, and hopefully get these drugs to patients when they need it. Bill. Looking big picture now, how have your experiences to date through your 26 years uh, of dealing with the disease, uh, obviously only 18 years knowing about it, but 26 years dealing with it, how have they shaped your views of, of medicine? More specifically, how have they shaped your role as a medical student and a future physician? Right. Well, um, I think one of the things about being diagnosed with cystic fibrosis at a pretty young age is that it caused me to think about mortality a lot more and kind of confront my own mortality. So I thought a lot more about, you know, end-of-life issues and ethics and how I wanted to have an impact on this world. And I think that led me more towards medicine because I really wanted to do something that would help others a lot. And in the process of just being a CF patient and having, you know, they call them flare-ups in the CF world, but very severe respiratory infections where you have to be hospitalized is what they are, um, I believe you develop a certain sense of empathy for other patients because you've been through those situations. You understand what it's like to be unable to stop coughing or to, you know, be so tired of doing therapy one day that you just need to take a break for a little bit. You really understand the patient experience and the degree of suffering that can go on there. So I think the, those skills really help me, will, will help me connect with uh, my future patients. And I think, uh, it definitely has given me more of appreciation for the significant impact that doctors can have if they truly care about their patients. Because doctors themselves, yes, they can prescribe the drugs, and yes, you know, they, they have all the knowledge of what's correct for the patients, but nothing happens unless the patients are adherent. So nothing happens unless the patient is adherent. And for the patient to be adherent, you really need doctors that can connect with the patient, that can empathize, that can really understand what they're going through. And I think that's uh, the skill set that CF has really helped me cultivate over the years. I think um, that's critically important, and that's what I'm going to work on bringing to my practice later. And uh, I really believe that in addition to connecting with patients, there's something to be said for understanding how important quality of life improvements are as well. And uh, in medicine, we often get caught up on this idea of we need to extend life. We need to make sure that people are living longer, that they have functionality, and that they're able to do that for as many years as they can. But I think something that's often overlooked and is critically important is the issue of quality of life. For example, there's a, a new treatment that I just started earlier this year, or actually last year, 
um, which is a tobramycin inhaled powder. And that's a, instead of the, what I used to do before, which was tobramycin um, nebulized. And that has dramatically improved my life, not because it's a better antibiotic for any reason, but because it's managed to cut down my treatment time from about 30 to 45 minutes twice a day to about you know, one to two minutes twice a day. So as a medical student, that has a massive impact on my ability to study and stay healthy. So little things like quality of life improvements, I think, are extremely important as well. And that's another thing I've really learned from being a CF patient. Well, no doubt your fellow CF patients are lucky to have you on their team and, and your future patients will be very lucky to have you taking care of them. Bill, thanks so much for joining us on Radio Rounds today. Thank you, John. That was medical student and cystic fibrosis patient Bill Elder. For more information, please visit the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation website at www.cff.org. Please join us next week as Radio Rounds host Imran Ali interviews a professional opera singer who has endured and overcome a double lung transplant in order to continue following her dreams. In the meantime, remember that you can download podcasts of all past episodes. Just search the iTunes store for Radio Rounds or visit our website. You can also contact our team via email, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. All of that information at RadioRounds.org. Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. Sponsored by the American Medical Association. Providing group disability and life insurance to students and residents through participating educational institutions. Visit us at MedPlusAdvantage.com. AMA Insurance is pleased to introduce an individual disability insurance plan called Essentials for MedPlus Advantage participants. Through this plan, eligible graduating medical students have a special one-time opportunity to apply for high-quality individual disability insurance with no intrusive or time-consuming medical exams and only a few basic questions, and with discounted premiums. For more information, visit MedPlusAdvantage.com. Radio Rounds is also proudly partnered with the Student Doctor Network online at studentdoctor.net. Find answers to your questions about medical school or residency programs. Ask questions in our online forums and get answers quickly. It's fast, easy, and available now at studentdoctor.net. Of course, please remember that the views and opinions expressed on Radio Rounds are not representative of the views and opinions of the partners of Radio Rounds. Thanks for joining us, everyone. For our entire staff here at Radio Rounds, I'm John Corker. And one day, I'll be your doctor.